Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. And now that heart is beating fast And that's the rhythm I can dance to I'm mighty glad I've got a chance to That one big heart that's beating fast Tomorrow morning let it rain Tomorrow morning let it pour Tonight we're in the groove together Ain't gonna worry about Stormy Gonna kick all trouble out the door. Beat out all trouble and drunk. Welcome to Radical Australian Community Radio 3CR, streaming live on 3cr.org.au. This program is podcast. My name is Joseph Scarnham, and my partner in crime is Her Royal Empress, the, the Empress Dowager Dale Bridge. How art thou, Dale? I'm reasonably well, Joe. You actually look alive. <laughs> oh, thanks, Joe. It's always good to have a live producer. Yeah, it doesn't happen that yeah. often, I'm afraid. We actually have a live <laughs> guest. We have a sky pilot. Yes, a very live guest. Yeah, a very live sky pilot. The right royal, Reverend Mr. Peter Woods. Or is it Dr. Peter Woods? No, it's, uh, it's not doctor and, and not so right. And not so right, but royal. <laughs> well... Parliamentarian is the right honourable. You're obviously, you're much as a reverend, you're much more honourable and right than many of them. Not all of them, <laughs> but many of them. That'd be right, wouldn't it? Well, are you going to sort of draw me into sort of the, the political scene that early? And uh, no, 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 yeah. no, no, no. We, we only ask two questions on this program. <laughs> it's very. Thick. I'm not here to deconstruct you. I'm here to learn why you are like you are. And people say, "What do you mean?" what he's like. Well, you'll find out. This is an extraordinary human being we have next to us on our left. He's done a lot of things and he may even get you to heaven one day. Now, Peter, we only asked two questions. As long as I can get myself there, Joe. Uh, you have, you have a ticket. A one-way ticket. One-way ticket. I mean, I don't, but you do. Now, we only ask two questions. The first one's very simple, just to orientate our listeners to see whether there's another old fart in the studio with me or a youngster. What year were you born in? Born in? The middle of last century, 1950. You, you don't even look 50. And Thank you're six, you. And you're 68. <laughs> you don't exercise, it's do you? It's because your beard's longer than mine, that's why. <laughs> that's why, right. <laughs> All right. And the second question, which takes 54, 55 minutes to answer, is very simple. What's, what's the first thing you remember about being on planet Earth? First memory. I had a feeling I was going to be asked this. Yeah, well, you were born, were you? And, and there are two competing memories. All right, good. I wasn't yet three. Uh-huh. The first one, I was coming back to my grandparents' place in Mossman on Balmoral Beach, and we must have come back from the baptism of my younger brother. Mm-hmm. So they opened him up on the back Couch to have a look at his baptismal gown, and everyone was ooing and ahhing. Mm. So I, I must have been less than three. Yep, the other one, riding furiously on my new tricycle. Wow. Yeah. You remember the colour of the tricycle? No. No, no they're just riding furiously. Yeah, riding furiously. And you haven't yeah. stopped riding, have you? No, yeah. <laughs> I, t- I had the biggest bike in the town I lived in, yeah. in Indonesia, yeah. but that's another story. Yeah, that's another yeah. story. We'll get to that. All right. So obviously, uh, if your uh, brother was baptised, you would have been baptised. I was, right. yes. So yep. was, it a, was, it, was it a religious upbringing? My parents were uh, C of E, our Christmas and Easter uh-huh. services. Uh-huh. And, what, uh, what we call Christmas Christians? Yeah, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. I think my father was warned off uh, going because uh, my sisters couldn't bear him singing out of tune. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, um, yeah, went to Sunday school uh, Sunday with my school. sisters. Yeah, two uh-huh. older sisters and um, Sunday school. Sunday school was a big where, deal where, then. Yeah, where, where was this? 
This was up in Mona Vale. Mona Vale. Yes, Northern right. Beaches. So I'm a Northern right. Beaches right. Yeah. kid yeah. in Sydney. Did you do, do colouring books at Sunday school? I remember those colouring books. Remember you get the... We did remember everything. You, you get yeah. Jesus and the shepherds and the sheep. I remember sure. that. You remember all you that? N- you know what I really enjoyed? And <laughs> yeah. that was the flannel graph stories. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And yeah. uh, kids these days, of course, they don't know what those are. You, uh-huh. know, the, you have the felt and then you stick the figures onto the yeah, ocean. Yeah. And they're making a comeback. Are they? Yeah. So unusual because yeah. they're not on an iPad. So yeah. there we go. Well, it's about time. <laughs> Talking about iPads, look, uh, we have a rule here, uh, Peter. I don't care if you're the Reverend Peter Woods yeah. or the right honourable Reverend Peter Woods. We don't use notes. No, that's fine. Because yeah. you lose, you've got an iPad open. Would you well, like to close it, please? Sure, that's fine. Thank you. I thought you were going to ask me a question about what we're doing today. And no, 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 no. Because, we've got, we've got because an hour. Louise Byrne has organised it. It's very complex and I don't want to be able to stuff it up here. <laughs> well, well, it's very simple. You just, at the end, we'll just tell them where it's at. They're all invited. Yeah, that, that's Come and have good. lunch and listen to some boring people, you know. Sure. And join the Rent Collective. It's very simple. Yeah, exactly. You don't yeah, listen to Louise. I mean, uh, I mean, this is about you, it's not about Louise, and it's not about what's happening on Sunday. Okay. All right, so you went to Sunday school, primary school? Primary school also up in Motorvale. Uh, yes. Religious or public? Uh, public. Public. Ah, right. yes, yeah, brawls in the playground. Good, good, yeah. good. Did you, did you pick sides? Were you on the, the Dago side or the Bolt side? Which side? Oh, which side? No, no, there's quite a few Dagos we yeah, had because yeah. uh, in our area we had uh, all the Yugoslavs growing tomatoes. That's right. My the father Bolts. was a nurseryman. Uh, excuse and so, me, excuse yeah. me. You guys yeah. were not Dagos. I feel offended. <laughs> Fair enough, I yeah. used to be called a Dago because I was Italian. There's also Greeks. They're Dagos. <laughs> The Yugos we used to call Bolts. Oh, Bolts, okay. Fair yeah. enough, yeah. Baltics, you know, Baltics. Yes, of course, yes. We made the yeah, honorary yeah. Baltics. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> All right. All right. So, what do you mean they grew tomatoes? Well, you lived in a kind of a regional area, did you? Uh, lots of, in the back of Monavale, Warrywood, right. lots of glasshouses. Lots of glass, right, right. And um, my dad was a nurseryman, so he uh-huh. used to grow up in that area there as well. Right, right. And then he went into plants and yeah. that sort of thing. What, so what, what do you think about all these post-war immigrants that took his job? Well, <laughs> dad, dad was a lovely guy who got on with everyone. Right. However, I do remember him... <laughs> saying as we passed a bunch of them having a great time talking to one another on the corner, yeah. why don't they speak English? It was early days, yeah. Early days, right, yeah. yeah. Very mm. normal, very normal. Lucky they were in a different colour. Yeah, it used to right. get worse then. All right, are your mum and dad still alive? Or? No, they died no. early 90s, yeah. And uh, where did uh, your father's family come from? My father's family came from... England, right. yes, yeah, Hunt, Huntingdon, mm-hmm. the Cambridge area, and they, his grandfather was a ship's captain. Right. Mm. And he decided to jump ship. No, he, no. Sa- he settled. <laughs> he settled. He did settle. Well, ship jack captains yes. wouldn't need to jump ship, would they? Because no, right. they were quite wealthy. You remember? Yeah. You'd been down to St Kilda, haven't you? I have, you noticed all the ship's captain's uh, retirement houses they used to build mm. along the beach? Very yes. nice. Italianate yeah. style. Yeah. Very nice. And your mum, where, where's her family come from? Uh, that side is uh, Irish, Scottish, mm. and a bit of Welsh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Right. That's right. So they were invaded over, over and over again, obviously. They, That's how the genes mixed. Yes. Right. All right. So we've done three trips sort of exploring those three areas, so that's uh, been good. Three yeah. trips? Yeah, to different areas. We've just come back from Scotland, and, mm. yeah, there were millers on her side, and I was climbing down into Burns. Mm-hmm. You know what Burns are? No. Little uh, creeks. Little creeks. Yeah, right. so I now know what Burnside is Burnside. by the side of the creek. Creek. Yeah. Very good. And found these old mills that they used to run mm. in the 18th and 19th in century. century. Yeah. Mm. Mm. And they obviously speak Gaelic now, too. I think that's lost. That's lost. <laughs> <laughs> right. All right. So, prime, what was primary school like, apart from the usual biff in the playground in those days? I enjoyed. I enjoyed primary school. Yeah. Yes, and uh, had mates that sort of travelled through to high school. Mm. Because I moved cities, mm-hmm. I, I lost contact with. And so, there's the the joy and sometimes the woes of Facebook. I've just 
recently connected Ooh, with a don't, with don't, a mate please, from no, primary no, school and no, no. and high school. So that's been lovely. Yeah. No, 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 don't don't even think about it. I actually, <laughs> actually found me last year, but I refused to go to the medical or forty forty fifth medical reunion or something. Oh, it's terrible. Forty third or something. They found you, did they? Oh, they found me somehow. I don't know. <laughs> they found me. It was just horrible. I said, no, I don't want to see these people again. I did. I did promise them I would come to the fiftieth because half of them would be dead by then. <laughs> I feel better about it. But that's yeah, me. You're anticipating. It? You'll be there, of course. Yeah. Well, obviously, yeah. I'm going to be there. Nobody thinks they're mortal, <laughs> do they? No, that's right. We never think we're mortal. Do you think and, you're mortal? Well, you're a bit more fortunate because as the saying goes, uh, physician, heal thyself, and you can sort of do that quite often. No, it's <laughs> illegal to write prescriptions for yourself in the state of Victoria. Yeah, fair enough. Yep. I do have a doctor. Yeah, there are. She's very good. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I'll tell you a funny story. I know it's not about me, but this is hilarious. I've seen her, you know, for blood pressure taps, the usual garbage that us old people have. And she says, Dr. Toscano, she says, you've got all ten risk factors for a cardiac arrest. And I said, doctor... That's a lie. I only have nine. I don't smoke. All right? <laughs> so this is how physicians, we don't actually look after ourselves. That's, that's garbage. We don't heal ourselves. More doctors die of preventable illness than the general population. Mm, wow. Because we, mm. we just say, oh, well, yeah, shrug yep. your shoulders. Now, getting back to your life, high school, where was that? Went to a newly opened, being a baby boomer, just uh, kids everywhere. So they started a new high school. Mm. Um, down the road from our place between Monavale and Bayview mm. called Pitwater High School. So I was first intake there. So that was really neat. Well, first intake is yeah. yeah, Grade 7 or 8 in New South Wales? I uh, it was 7. So 7, seven eight, 9 I was there. Yeah, you didn't have helicopter yeah. parents. You'd actually bicycle down, did you, every day? Walked. You walked? How far yes. was it? Oh, a couple of k's. A couple of k's, yeah. yeah. It's it's funny. Oh, skinny as, you wouldn't know now. I mean, but, you'd yeah. walk to primary school, wouldn't you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and mm. we used to walk there and back, and it was, yeah. was an issue. Oh, I assume Dale initially, initially caught a bus, bus, but I was a real little kid and yeah. got on this double-decker green bus, uh, yeah, going lost. around the backs of <laughs> Warrywood there. It was a bit scary. Yeah, yeah. All right, fair enough. And did you excel at anything at high school? Um, I think I was a natural student. I a natural student? Yeah, I didn't Well, I actually try. didn't throw things at the teacher. <laughs> yes, that's you right. were natural, all right. No, that's right. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't one of the big rabble-rousers. Right, I right. do feel sorry for many of our teachers who gave a really hard time, but I must admit it wasn't me that much. Right. I felt too sorry for the teachers, <laughs> what they were right. doing. We had huge classes in those yeah, days. Like 50, of, you know, 60. Oh, yeah. Well, did amazing. you used to get streamed in, in, in the senior classes? That yeah. A, B, C, D? There was a streaming, yes. Yeah. Were you yeah. In, I assume you were in A. I got you're in, a natural student. I got into the top, yeah. yeah that's a, without a. doing any homework, and yeah. I don't know why. Yeah, yeah. but there we go. Yeah, well, well, yeah. But I like sport as well. Did you? Um, so, yeah, so... So what did you do? Uh, I did everything. What's that? I, what, what is, rugby league, obviously. Rugby league at school, rugby union on weekends. Yeah. Why the difference? Mm. Uh, enjoyed rugby union. A great, great game to play. Why? Yeah. Why well, you just enjoy lifted up in the air? Yeah. It was faster moving. Couldn't understand. Sometimes you'd see on the TV the aerial ping pong, we used to call it. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I didn't know the joys of Australian rules until I came down this way. Yeah. No, I, yeah. I, I, look, I come from Queensland. I don't even talk Fair about enough. Australian yeah. rules. It's, it's disgusting. Right? Yeah. But getting rugby league's the only game. But <laughs> so league, cricket? Played cricket, yeah. tennis, volleyball. Yeah. Uh, no, not really. No volleyball. Not until later college, college days. Well, yeah. So you weren't a nerd? Because uh, all the nerds used to play volleyball. We didn't know about hockey. that. I stayed, about stayed away from hockey. They looked like maniacs, but yeah, my yeah. wife later introduced me to that, so that was really interesting. Uh, yeah, right. that's right. So, so athletics, I don't know whether she had some... Jumping, yeah. Do athletics? You do athletics? Uh, I did. So I took out the high jumps, uh-huh. yeah, quite well, often. You're not, that, you're not that tall. Oh, six foot and a bit. Oh, yeah. Right. yeah. Yeah, but I only got to a limit because those days they were just moving into the Western role. Oh, and I yes, was still yes. doing the scissors. This is, well, you're doing the scissors. Yeah, oh, that's yeah. right. So I got about as high as I could it's quite go. It's spectacular, yeah. the Western role, isn't the way oh, you yeah. fall on your back on the... Yeah, that's the right. Frosby nice. flop. Yeah. Frosby flop. The Frosby, yeah. Well, he yeah. came in a bit later, that's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, sounds like an idyllic childhood. Had a, you know, I was one of, you know, Mr. Howard's sort of 
you know, the, ro- the rose-coloured glasses, looking yeah, back to the yeah, 50s. Yeah, yeah. Our parents released us in the mornings after yeah, breakfast and we yeah. came back at tea time. And, that's right, you know, that's right. It was normal. It was normal, that's so right. Yeah. So you finished high school in 68, I assume? 68, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah big yeah. year. Yeah, all sorts of assassinations. Yeah, and because things were happening. Well, it was a huge year in the world in 68. It was, did did, did it was that have any impact on you as a student at high school or did it just kind of flow by you? Uh, it was interesting. I was doing ancient r- history, mm-hmm. and we that year we did Rome, the previous year Greece. Mm-hmm. And, uh, as you did in those days. As you did in those days. And yeah. um, I remember when Kennedy got shot, we were mm-hmm. talking about how, was it the Grecchi brothers who were part of the start of the Roman democracy and yeah. how they had been taken out? And yeah, yeah that's right, yeah. yeah. So that's all interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, Mm. It was it was just about seventy Paris. years since what the yeah. sixty years since the Russian Revolution. So that also yeah. impacted the yeah. sorts of questions we were getting. And how about Paris '68, May '68? Did they have any effect on? I was aware of that. Not mm. not a lot. Not right. really. Uh, the Vietnam War more when I got to university. university. Yeah, right. Because mm. right. you, you'd be at conscription age. I was. Mm. Let's yeah. go, let's go back a step. So you went to university '69. I did. Yeah, and what, what did you do? Um, I went to Sydney University mm. and uh, studied uh, uh, for a Bachelor of Arts. I wasn't sure what I was going to do, maybe be good, a good way, good, good way to avoid conscription was to go to university, wasn't it? It was, It was, yes. a, wonder, it was a wonderful system, yeah. wasn't it? You know, if yeah. you could get to university, you could defer it if your number came up. Yeah, that's right. If you didn't get to university... Yeah. The sons and daughters yes. of the working class, they yeah. were the cannon fodder. They were. Uh, it was wonderful. Yes. It was yeah, wonderful. Yeah. I got to university too, yeah, that's right. Did your marble come up? My marble came up, but because I was studying that's right. uh, the next year, mm. uh, but it was elsewhere, mm. um, they said, just don't go anywhere, we'll contact you. Mm, mm. And I was glad they never did. And then I was glad that Whitlam got in, of course. So yeah, there we go. Yeah. Mm. So you, you deferred it through higher education. Mm. It's an extraordinary system, isn't it? Here you are. Was it 19 or 20 when they pulled out your marble? I've forgotten. I think it was yeah, 20. I think it was 19. 19, yeah. they go out, yeah, they pull out your marble, there'd be a big television program, you know, and then if you weren't at university, bang, mm. into the military. Unless you had flat feet. My father was pretty conservative, I guess, in mm. some ways, and so the general support yeah, for yeah, what yeah. the government was doing. Yeah, you have to stop the yellow hordes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, they'll come in there. And all that's that. right. All, all of that sort of domino yeah. theory. Yeah, yeah. Huge, um, huge demonstrations at, at uni. Mm. So which Ten, you, tens you said of Sydney, Sydney. Sydney, right? yeah. Sydney. Mm. So did you, while you're doing your Bachelor of Arts, did you actually get involved in campus life? I did, but mm. by that stage, I'd had probably a, a reasonably dynamic Christian conversion. So I rebelled on, against my on, parents by on. going to church. Hang on, hang on, <laughs> hang on, hang on, hang on. We're backtracking. You, you had a, a Christian conversion. How old were you? Probably about 17, 16, 17. So 17, what, yeah. you just joined university or just half finishing high school? High school right. so year, what happened? Yes. This is very interesting because a lot of people go through this. You know. yes. So what actually happened, if, you, if you're willing to speak about it? You don't have to, but... Yes, not a problem. What happened? Look, those are the days where the word went out that all those Church of England's uh, kids had to get confirmed. Mm-hmm. So I went to confirmation classes with about 30 other kids. You know, lots of churches, difficult to get one or two to be confirmed in a year these days. Mm. Uh, it's not surprising, but... Um, I sort of took it seriously for some reason mm. and uh, sort of said my promises, mm. made my prayers mm. as though I believed mm. it. So things sort of just went quiet, just uh, lived a normal uh, middle teenage life and then I met some friends who were really keen. Mm. Um, I read a book called The Cross and the Switchblade about a Ooh, pastor... Cross. Not the cross and switchblade. Oh, yes. That's led many a young man to ruin. It did. <laughs> <laughs> and so he was, he was sort of getting amongst uh, the gangs in the yeah, Bronx. Yeah. So, so in, in, New York, in the Church yes. of England, it was the cross and switchblade. <laughs> if the Roman Catholic is a liberation theology, you know, same, <laughs> same concept, you know, how to radicalise the youth. 
radicalise is the key word, isn't it? So, so was, when you went was, to university, yeah. did you feel out of place? Had a had a great community of friends right. uh, across right. there, and I sort of didn't really participate in the protests right. at that stage. Really trying to share my faith, yep. um, I suppose, mm-hmm. with yep. with anyone who wanted to talk. Those days it was just full on politics, religion, right. anything. Right. So you could talk about anything. You That's right. Uh, was a good place to be. Mm. You, know, you know why university was a good place to be in those days? I've got a theory, because I went through the same period, but we didn't talk about religion. Uh, we talked about how to make Molotov cocktails. Oh, That's right. another story. <laughs> <laughs> but get, getting back, uh, well, obviously, you would have done too, but in a religious sense. But getting back to uh, university, you know it was such a great place? You know why? Have you ever, have you ever wondered why university is such a hellhole today? And why yeah. it was such a great place. My wife and I have talked about this, mm-hmm. and one of the reasons we reckon is that because people went actually to study and engage in the whole thing of what a university is to give you mm-hmm. a, a world view, and also you didn't have to work or you didn't work, and so you didn't just pop in to do your lecture and then go off and work in the cafe. People hung around all day. Yeah. They were in, they were in yeah, that's the, the library and they engaged yeah. with each other yeah. and all, all this sort to of me, stuff. To me, the, the, to me, the death of university as a, an institution which moulded moulded people was the introduction of continuous assessment. Because in those days, you'd have assessment at the end of the year. Yes, that's right. So you had time. So yeah, you yeah. failed at the end of the year. Yes. Now with continuous assessment, it's assignment after assignment after assignment. Yeah, and with the introduction and with the introduction of hex fees, mm. then you've got the actual economic imperative if you don't have rich parents. Mm. So, but the, to me, the end of the university was the continuous assessment. Yes. Because I remember going to medical school. You, you know, you'd have an, an exam at the end of each term, and then a big one at the end of the year, mm. and that was it. That's know? right. You, yeah. you never had any crap, you know, during the year. And I reckon that's. To me, we had freedom. Yeah. We had freedom in terms of our time, as you said, which allows you to use the university as a learning experience, not yes. just in life, not just in in, exactly. a, in a subject. You yes, know? yeah, I feel sorry for the kids these days. Really, oh, it's horrendous. Yeah. It really mm. is. I mean, there's so many graduate, and it means nothing. But getting back to your wonderful life, so you graduated or not? No, I got about what? all that I could in a year. In a year, you spent <laughs> one year there. Where'd you go then after that? I felt called. Aha, uh-huh. all right, we're called. Who yes. called you? I felt that God was calling me. Right. Um, okay. And I thought, uh, I want to do mission overseas. Right. Uh, why am I here? Mm-hmm. I'm not quite sure where I'm going. Mm-hmm. Um, I was persuaded that perhaps if I was going to do mission overseas, I'd perhaps better study in my area. Mm-hmm. So I headed off to a theological college, a Bible college in South Australia, in Victor Harbour. Victor Harbour, nice yes, place, Victor Harbour. It is, and I was there for three years, three years. in a living college. From, so seven, from what, from 18 to 21 or something, or 19 to 22? I, I was there from 19 to 22. I can't, yeah, believe, I can't yeah, believe this, a biblical yeah. college. At Victor, I was actually at Victor Harbour. Christmas, like Christmas, January last year, and that would have been a sea of flesh in those days. It would have been a young man's, you know, who's kind of religious. It would have been horrible, wouldn't it? Oh, you go down to the beach and there would all be these scantily clad women everywhere and blokes. Fortunately or unfortunately, uh, depending on the perspective, that wasn't the case in those days. What in, what, in the seventies? Well, we we didn't see it. We were up on the hill. There's a, oh, there's a no, right. and we were there uh, during the studying. Yeah. The only time we went near the beach is that um, in the afternoons, after you'd finished your study periods, yeah. uh, there was either a sort of recreation or else some work thing. And uh, I was a runner. Yeah. And so we used to run from the top of the hill down to the concourse, around the island, and then back. Look, look, yes. look, look. I, I was at Victor Harbour in <laughs> 1972, I think. And I, all I remember was a seething mass of flesh. No one... <laughs> I, obviously, the lecturers didn't tell us about this. Otherwise, <laughs> more of us would have stayed back I mean, on weekends. I mean, this, is, this is the early <laughs> 70s. It's the liberation age. It's three sex. It's exploring possibilities. It's the confests. And you're up on a bloody hill at Victor Harbour. That's right. And you're running. Getting holier. I'm a bit yes. worried about yes. it. How long, so what happened at the end of these three years, these three lost years? 
Well, by that time, I'd met my wife-to-be, so that was a not, great... Not, not on the beach. Uh, not on the beach. She was studying. She was a year behind me. All oh, right. So Jeanette had been a young entrant to university. She had actually graduated quite young. Mm. Uh, so she's three years older than me, but she'd already done her full studies at uni and mm. then taught for three years. Right. And so... Uh, we fell in love, mm. and uh, so I finished. She f- she finished up uh, a year later, and so we were married and lived in Adelaide. Mm. Mm. So, how did you earn money after all this? Totally broke. Uh, she was by that time, so she gave me her car uh-huh. and said, "Go make some money, boy." She did. <laughs> um, I got a job as a uh, bricklayer's assistant. Uh-huh. He offered me the chance to be part of the team and build my house. Uh-huh. But I thought, I don't think I want to be a bricklayer. <laughs> <laughs> you weren't happy. Well, being a tall bloke, it's not easy going up and down those ramps. No, it? It, it, was, it was very tough. <laughs> yeah. Very tough work. Yeah. So during the summer, you just sort of go through solo lemons, I remember, at lunchtime and uh-huh. listening to Carly Simon yeah, yeah, singing yeah. You're So Vain, if I remember <laughs> rightly. <laughs> So I got a job um, in an in-service training to be a residential care worker and I worked with delinquent boys at the McNally Training Centre. This is in Adelaide? In Adelaide, yes. What was that like? What year was that? So uh, that was 73 I started and was uh, three years working with them. What was it like? Because the prison there is pretty... I forgot, what's the name of the prison in Adelaide? Um, Yattler. Yattler. That's a, that was a very nasty but place. They awfully, often went on to Yattler, the, the right. boys, and yeah. their family has that tradition. It was very tough, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'd done placements in both the girls, which was chaotic and mm. frightening, mm. Um, and the younger boys at Brookway mm. Park mm. decided to go with the older teenagers, mm. but it was, it was really tough, and... Um, it was an interesting time because there was a changeover moving towards sort of rehabilitation. Is this, it was in Dunstan, yeah. Dunstan era, was it? Dunstan area, era. Yeah. era. And, yeah. and so the community, Department for Community Welfare was trying to train people in understanding his part psychology, part, you know, youth stuff. A lot of, a lot of the workers were ex-British Army. Oh, you yeah, know, yeah, 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 yeah. So they were, Gordon Highlanders or Grenadiers <laughs> or something. <laughs> they knew how to enforce discipline. Uh, absolutely. And yeah. so us long hairs, uh, which came in sort of with all our, yeah, our, our new theories. Stuff. That's yeah, right, yeah. yeah, yeah. But um, after a couple of years, they opened up a new um, halfway house mm-hmm. to help kids transition. And that was great. I was placed in that, in the community, just near to where I live. So how, that was how many really kids good. would have been in the house at one time? There was only about 10. 10. And 10. How, many, how many, was it residential? It was residential, and so we did 24-hour shifts. So we, right. Yeah. Right. Okay. Good. So it was an interesting time, and I, I really enjoyed that because I used to so go out to businesses and, and get jobs for the boys and so follow them up. So you're making them. a difference? I felt like I was, yeah. yeah. You're making a difference. That's yes. I, I felt sorry for the kids. Look, mm. every kid who got into trouble had disadvantaged background, mm. and so... It, it was really tough for them, and, right. and to get into some of them shouldn't have even been there. No. That was terrible. Mm. Yeah, there was no, nobody to care for them. It's like exactly, it's yeah. Like Put them in prison. Yeah. So, when did this reverend business start? So, still a long way off. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, um, I'd, I'd finished my theological studies. Yep. Uh, in fact, I finished it off that year, that first year I was working at McNally. Yeah. There was an attempted breakout because one of the boys wanted to. Join his brother who'd got out of Yatala and uh-huh. come to Melbourne. So they were beating up one of the staff and then I intervened to help and I got sort of knocked out and, right. and it was the day before my Greek exam and Jeanette had been the better scholar than me, yeah. had sort of been helping me and yeah. she got up pretty upset about that and then I got a better score than her okay. in, the, in the exam. So she was always ropeable about that. So, so you both became reverends? Well, she did her theological studies. Yeah. She had been in education, got another job yeah. with a Lutheran school in Adelaide, yeah. lots of yeah. Lutherans. Yeah. And then after a couple of years 
Yeah, I'm not, talk, I'm not interested in her. Yeah. I'm interested in you, Peter. When did you become a reverend? This is interesting. Not yet. But when? You know, it's still not a reverend. No, no. Long time after that. A long, long time. Yeah. Uh, well, sort of. What do you mean, sort of? Okay. We decided that if we weren't going to go into the church as mm. like as a reverend right. here, mm. and I had a variety of reasons why I didn't, including mm. I wasn't hot on hierarchy. Right. Um, and well, it's lucky, uh, lucky you weren't a Catholic priest. Uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. It was, was why I could never be that. <laughs> <laughs> Celibacy and hierarchy. Oh! Yeah. So we uh, then offered ourselves to go with one of the mission societies, right. and we, we ended up going to Indonesia. Did you have any children at this stage? Uh, we had one. We were told to have children before we went, so we... Did you were told? Yeah, that's right. Better better to have a child in Australia. Your first one uh-huh. said the doctor. So All right. six weeks later, Jeanette was pregnant. So it's good to see. I'm not sure what happened. The doctor's <laughs> instruction. I'm really impressed. So how old was this little bundle when you took it to Indonesia? Ten months. And yeah. What year was this? That was in '75. Uh, Isn't that child uh, abuse? No, seventy seventy-seven. <laughs> that's child abuse. Taking, <laughs> taking a Ten-month-old child. <laughs> what did you know about Indonesia? Uh, very little. We were told not to learn the language. We went to initially to Java, right. uh, and so we would start not with errors in our pronunciation, whatever, and went to a language and culture school in right. Java in Bandung, uh-huh. Uh-huh. lovely town. So we were there for ten months. And what did you do? Well, that's what we we did. Just learning, learning. Just learning, yeah. and then my wife had another baby, right. so I took her to hospital. She was contracting on the yeah. back of our motorbike. Right. And um, she's never forgiven me for running into a puddle. At uh, night, uh, it was actually quite cold in Bundle, in the yeah, hills there. So her feet yeah. were freezing. Yeah. So there we go. So second child. Yeah, so right. second child. So that was uh, yeah, Jeremy yeah. born, yeah. Naomi, uh, we took with us. And then we headed off to West Papua. In those days, it was called Irian Jaya. Yeah, that's right. Now, excuse me. Hang on. Yeah. Hang on. What year is this? Okay, so that was 77. So the beginning of 78. So you took two small bundles, yeah, yeah. your wife, who That's obviously right. you can make her own mind and she wants to go to West Papua, to West Papua in 1978. Well, you're young. What, 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 Anything's what, what, possible. What, what, no, no, exactly. What, <laughs> so, what precautions do you take about malaria, dengue, cholera, typhus? What precautions did you take? I think we got all of those in the time. You did. Uh, uh, you caught them. Yeah, so I, uh, my wife... My wife got dengue yeah. uh, very soon after we arrived. Yeah. She was told at the time that yeah. you feel like dying, yeah. but you probably won't. Won't, yeah. yes. That's correct. So uh, where were you posted? In the end, we went to the back of the bird's head, which is on the western end of the island called Manakwari, about 50,000 on the coast, half a right. degree from the equator. Right. Mm. right. And what did you think when you got there as a young family? Um, oh, it's an interesting question. I mean, it's, I mean, it's not the type of thing you'd find uh, at Victor Harbour, is it? Yes, we're by the water again. Yeah. You're right. That's right. Well, we were sort of like we were young in Egypt. We had to sort of like build our lives, yeah. build a house. We right. didn't build a house, but we were in an old Dutch house and uh, right on the main road started to paint, put up walls where we could have bedrooms for uh-huh. the kids. Yeah. Uh, there was no loo or bathroom, so all of that had to be done. Right. Was, there yeah. a ch- was there a church you were going to minister to or a congregation or what? We had been seconded to the church, the the reformed church there, the, right. the major, I suppose, Protestant church in the north of West Papua, mm-hmm. and they had a training school mm-hmm. uh, for lay pastors, and that suited me, and um, so I, I went there. Now, I need to backtrack just a few weeks yeah, yeah, fine. because you said, when did I become a reverend? Yeah. Now, there, were, there was another family and a single guy who was like a chaplain to university students, also from Australia. They called us the shock troops. Right. The Australians right. did anyway. Yeah, the shock <laughs> troops, yeah. Because, um, yes, it was a new thing for us Australians to, to get. Yeah. They'd been a long time on the, on the other side, yeah, Papua yeah. New Guinea, but yeah. really not in West Papua. Yeah. And so 
at our welcome service, we knelt down at the front, and the men, the men, mind you, not the women, um, had hands laid on them by the moderator of the church. And apparently I got up ordained as a reverend in, in their church. Yep. So before, before the service, I wasn't sure that that was going to happen and mm. not really desiring it to happen. Mm. By the end of it, I was. Mm. And that was okay. It opened doors and allowed me to participate in the local church where we lived in Manukwari. Mm. So I, I took services, uh, preached and uh, did baptisms. Did, did people turn up? Uh, big, big services. Big services. Uh, yes. Basically, the, the Papuans had been long Christianized mm. by mm. both Protestant and Catholic. And so, so we're talking about the 1880s, 1890s, or uh, even earlier, was it? Uh, yes, 1855. 1855. The first missionaries from the Basel Mission. So before they went to the Torres Strait for the coming of the light, mm. was, it, was it 1871? They went so they actually arrived in the Bay of Manukwari mm. where we mm. lived. And obviously yeah. when they were, it was a Dutch colony, they were uh, encouraged. What was your relationship with the government like when you were there? Did so, they have any impact on you or, or your parishioners? Well, we sort of got a, got a feel straight away uh, when we had to report to the local police station to say that we were in town mm. and we had to have our, our fingers, uh, sort of uh, fingerprinting done, uh, I- including the children. Mm-hmm. So we felt unimpressed with this mm. uh, until he put them into the folder and then he opened up the cupboard Mm. And there were about 2,000 other yellow folders there. Mm. I said to Jeanette, he'll never find those again. <laughs> so <laughs> the, the other funny thing was that uh, they, as they wrote the description of who we, what we looked like, they looked at Jeanette's hair and she has curly hair. Yeah. And uh, he says in Indonesian, Ibu rambutnya itu keriting atau dari salon. Your hair is curly naturally or is it? From the hair salon, oh. yes. Oh, fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> so from time to time, I ask you that. Yeah. yeah. But, but, yeah. but was this was this a militarised community? Or Absolutely. So, what does that mean in practical uh, high, terms? High presence of the of the military, mm-hmm. and there was this undercurrent all the time. Uh, and so, West Papuans would come to us. My students would speak to us, and they'd say, "Can you help us?" You know, this person has disappeared. This person has been killed. Um, why? Why are the Indonesians here? Where's the rest of the world looking out for us? Mm. And this was in the seventies. Yeah. So I mean, they've been there since '63, mm-hmm. the so-called Act of Free Choice in '69. Yep. And so we were there only a few years after that. Mm. And by that stage, two um, boatloads of uh, internal immigrants were being poured into the land. Internal migration. Yeah. So I had students who came to me with dreams who said, you know, you're going to help us. And I said, you can't say anything to anybody about this, otherwise we'll get chucked out. Mm-hmm. Occasionally a reporter would come through. I don't know how he got through and he'd find me and do interviews. I'd say, please don't print my name, otherwise we're out of here in five minutes. Mm-hmm. So how many years were you there for? We were there less than five in the end. Less than five. My wife got chronic malaria. Yep. So we came back I told, to I the... Told you, I, told, <laughs> I told this man that he was being, you know, abusive when he went to West... I, I, knew, I knew this would happen. I knew it. Being a doctor, you understand these things, aren't you? are going to rub the guilt in. No, no, no. And guilt. I have ever since. No, yeah. but the thing, is, the thing is, you did what you felt was the right thing, and that, you're yeah. forgiven. You're forgiven. I'll forgive you. It's all right. Your wife won't, but I will. So five years, you came back to Australia? Uh, briefly, Jeanette went into the Fairfield Infectious oh, Diseases Hospital. That was a yep. wonderful hospital. Was it right it next was. to the Fairfield Women's Prison? It was <laughs> yeah, very good. Right. Yeah, very. And they couldn't get any reading, of course. But no. the only the only reading that was positively got that she yeah. uh, sorry malaria I actually got right. in the middle of the night. I took a slide, yep. and uh, so that must have been at the top of the fever. Yep. And so. So she was given an eradication program, which she had to stop. It just nearly killed her. So her recovery from that um, Mm. took a long while. So after 10 months, we said, we'll go back. You'll go back. 
And so hang, I hang on, hang on, hang on. Yes. Hang on. Did the kitties catch anything? I'm a bit worried here. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> what, what did they catch? Well, our daughter got serious uh, malaria, uh-huh. and uh, we just got that. So the quinine which we gave her uh-huh. was mixed with peanut butter and jam, and uh-huh. since then, Adulterated. for some reason, yeah. she yeah, has not no. eaten peanut butter. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I, I can understand. <laughs> All right, so how old were they when you took them back? Or did you leave them in Australia this time? No, no, no. We had a third by then. A third? Oh, what else was wrong with this one? <laughs> so you had a third and you took the three of them back? So that one was born in the Highlands. Uh, another adventure, single-plane aircraft for what year was nearly that? four hours. That was 79. That's when you yeah. went back? No, no, we were still, we still, were still there. there, yes, before we came back, right, yeah. so you subjected your wife to malaria, you subjected the kids to malaria and tropical diseases. She had another bay. <laughs> I owe, don't I? I owe her. <laughs> yes, a lot. Well, I think you've... <laughs> I'm uh, sure I don't owe the kids anything. I think they've got their one-way ticket to heaven, but you, I've got doubts about now. <laughs> I really have. Well, I do as well, but it's for that and other reasons. So when did you go yeah. back? What year did you go back? Okay, so I, I tried to get us to another place in the Highlands, but uh-huh. it didn't work out. Right. Politics of the church, whatever. So we ended up in central Java. Now, the, the interesting thing is, of course, you sometimes say, I'll never do such a thing. And mm. after knowing the experience of the West Papuans, mm. the massacres, the murders, mm. I said at one stage while we were in Manukwari, after working here, I could never work in Java again. And a couple of years later there, we are smack in the middle of Java. Mm. And we were there for another three and a half years, again teaching in a theological school. Mm. Training local pastors here. Mm. So we were there in the middle of the rice fields. And that was a good experience, I suppose, because we got immersed in a, a different culture. Mm. We had to look at Papua from afar. My language improved. And um, I suppose we recovered. It was a tough time in West Papua. But yeah. you didn't go back to West Papua at that stage? No, not at that stage. All right. Okay, I'm just going to ask you a very serious question. Here. Sure. What do, what do the uh, rice rats taste like? I never had those. Never all, had them. all the rice snakes. The snakes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> nearly bit our kids as they ran across yeah, the rice fields. I, I had a friend of mine who taught yeah. in Indonesia who's told me that it was a delicacy, the rice rats, because mm. they just ate rice. And it makes sense, doesn't it? It does, yeah. So when did you go back had to West Papua? dog yeah, on and, a number yeah. of occasions. Oh, well, <laughs> That's a good way to look after feral dogs, I reckon. So, but not ours that were stolen on a number of occasions because they were so plump. Well, yes, they liked that. the Western dogs, but there we go. Yeah, I can understand that. Yeah, yeah. So when did you next go back to West Papua? We went back to Australia there from the mid-'80s, 86 onwards. Mm-hmm. I went back in about 95. You went back by yourself this time? Went back by myself, represented the church at our... Right. At our Indonesia-wide uh, sort of fellowship gathering mm. in which, Jayapura. Which, this is C of E or a Lutheran or which church again? N- no, it was all the churches. All the churches, so all the Protestant denominations. Mm. Right. But when I did come back, and yeah. this is you asking this question, I was reverendized in the Anglican church. Church of Anglican, yeah, that's, that's right. Day. And what year was that? That was 87. So when you, when you went back, it was just for a few months, was it? No, 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 no. No, it was just a couple of weeks. A couple to, of weeks. To represent the Anglican Church at this right, right. Uh, church gathering, right. yes. As the, as, have you gone back since? Yes. How many times? 2006, mm-hmm. How long 2011, 2012, 2014. All right, this is interesting. Four times a year. Let's go 2006. Was there any difference in 2006 in the early 19, in 19, then 1978 when you first went? For those a lot. Years? What, what did you notice? What was the difference? Uh, a lot of protest activity, um, high, much more presence of the army on the streets. And when I when I went to Jayapura, uh, there was a big protest going on by the students in, in the streets that blocked the main road to the airport. So I got there and filmed all that mm-hmm. um, and then got out of town. It was later on that I actually got hold of a DVD that some police must have passed on to uh, 
the Freedom Fighters because it had photos or video of me filming. Right. So that was interesting. Mm. Um, and that was good because I was able to bring attention. You know, got a lot of media at that stage, so the Age articles or the 7.30 News Lily Chin, that's her no, time, really. yeah. Oh, she's still there. Oh, well, not now. She's hey, just no. retired. She's yeah. just retired. She's just retired. When did you retire? Uh, this last weekend. You missed it. Yeah, uh, well, Sunday night. Time. People have been telling you when she's going to retire. She yeah. looks so thin. But, uh, but yeah, so, there. yes, there's a lot, a lot of activity. Um, and then 2011, even more. More military. I, I'm, I met in 2006 the nascent uh, independent government right. there. Mm. Um, probably put my friends in danger. I was staying with them because uh, they harassed for a long while afterwards after I left. 2011, however, I went back for uh, a, a Papuan Congress mm-hmm. where they um, declared independence. Mm-hmm. And, and was, Tell us about that Congress. Um, thousands had gathered in Jaipura. I had an official invitation as an outsider, but I didn't go into the field. They were denied at the last time, at the last moment, the large building where they were going to be. But I gave my camera and video equipment to others who took photos, and I was able to get all that back out. Yeah. yeah. Very volatile. People shot, disappeared, ran. What do you mean people shot? It. You actually saw this? Uh, saw photos, later heard, heard the reports. Right. Met, oh. met with people who, who had run from Abepura where it was right through to Jaipura that night. So is that a story, yeah. a story we've been told that since the demise of, um, Sahata the butcher that things have improved. That's, that's not correct, is it? No. You're not suggesting, because when did Sahata get overthrown? 98, was it? 98. Yeah, so, and you went in 2006, 2008, 2011, and you found what, every time things were a bit more controlled or not? Um, Certainly, uh, 2011 was very volatile. Mm. 2012 continued to be. Mm. In the intervening years, a lot of street marches and demonstrations, especially in Manukwari. Um, a lot of activity in the mountains. There's not many people. What was less than, what, a million, one million and a half West no. Papuans? No, it's two and a half. Two and a half million, million at least, yes. West Papuans? Or, yes. Or, and, and what, how many migrants that have come across? Almost that as well. So, so they're almost becoming... A minority in their own lands, like mm. we did to the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders. Mm-hmm. It is, yeah. So you think you think, and they're excluded economically because that's part of the problem. As what do well. you mean? What do you mean they're excluded economically? Well, they're they're often shunted because either by the way they're mm. they're structured in their in their makeup, right, to not not be economic uh, producers in in the shops and you know the the banks and that sort of thing. And so they're often in education. Uh, they'll be selling in the markets. Mm. Um, uh, this is not exclusively so, of course. No, no, no. Mm. So what's, what's and that? so the yeah. migrants are often the ones who are able to get the loans because mm. the bank managers are Javanese or whatever. Mm. And so mm. they have their houses on top of the shop and they're selling underneath. And okay. So the, the Papuans are the buyers. And then it's even worse in the markets where quite often the mountain people, they're at ground level. Mm. And then the, the outsiders are at the tables and then often the Asians are running the shops. So it's mm. often, mm. often the way of the case. Like in many places in the Pacific. Mm. When you go, when you said things are different or worse in the highlands, what did you mean? Is there still an armed struggle going on in the highlands? There or? is. Still, still. Since the 60s, yeah. Still. So that has, so, that so has what, not what, So Indonesia hasn't actually pacified, in inverted commas, the whole of West Papua? No. Are there no go zones then for the government troops? Uh, I would say that they try to go, but mm. they deliberately don't sometimes. Mm. Um, we've just had reports of further strafing and, and gunships bombing villages, people getting killed. So we've got reports of that plus photos. Mm. Mark Davies just uh, published a report as well, which I shared online. Mm. But yeah, so there we go. It's, it's there's an estimated Joe, what up to five hundred thousand have been killed since yeah. the early sixties. Mm. And of course, there's the missing five million because there's about eight hundred fifty thousand 
West Papuans at the time when the Indonesians came in and about that um, 750,000 in Papua New Guinea. Well, there's 7.5 million now mm. Papua New Guineans mm. and only 2.5 million West Papuans. So on the whole, the whole sort of um, scale, health and education and economics, West Papua was the worst in Indonesia and um, extremely so uh, in various areas uh, on a world scale. Right. Do you think the independence... Look, a lot of people say to me, why do you bother, Joe? It's a hopeless struggle. What do you think? Well, I was really encouraged because in uh, 2014, um, I went to Vanuatu. I've been about seven times now uh, in support of the West Papua Mm. uh, independence struggle. And that was a very significant time because three... Uh, significant independent groups united to form the United Liberation Movement for West Papua, which is what the world has been saying. We need a we need to know who to speak to. Speak with one voice. We speak with one voice, and uh, especially the Melanesian Spearhead Group, which is a subgrouping of the Pacific Island Forum. They were saying the same thing, so they did it, and mm. it was great to be there and witness that. Mm. And so. Various important things have moved on since then. They, they now are associate members of the Melanesian Spearhead Group. Of course, a lot of pressure mm. from Indonesia, a lot of um, money and no doubt bribery and corruption yeah. Yeah. influencing those countries still mm. to try and exclude West Papua from becoming a full member. Mm. But um, where anticipating that they will be able to forward their cause to the United Nations and especially the Decolonisation Committee for the unfinished job of the Cold War to be completed. Yeah, completed. How, how, yeah. are they, how are they going with the group of 77? Have they got the numbers yet in the, in the Assembly? I don't know yet. You're not sure about I that? I don't know okay. yet, no. All right. Now, have you, has your wife and children forgiven you? <laughs> they do. They're really supportive. And they're still uh, all alive, yeah, can I ask? <laughs> Uh, for the last, um, to fill in a few of the cracks, for the last uh, eight years, I've been a full-time visual artist. I'm a painter. I know. I've seen yeah. your extraordinary work. Oh, thank you. You stole a few ideas there. I mean, I mean that, that, that one you stole from the French Revolution, that was, that was extraordinarily um, incisive. There's, there's yeah, no, you just changed the colour of the people. Yeah, there's nothing new under the sun. No, uh, artists no. are great borrowers. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. right. And the Goya as oh, well. well yeah. That's right. It was all yeah. there. I mean, if, yeah. you, if you know your art... History, but I have done, I have done some originals. Have you? All right. But yeah, that has been, even though I've spoken at a lot of places mm. um, about the West Papua situation, many churches have opened their doors to me, and mm. I've brought mm. uh, synod motions to the mm. Melbourne Synod. Right. Um, I've found that actually doing the visuals is really good. It does, yeah. and uh, so that's what I've been doing. You know what they say: a picture <laughs> is worth a thousand words. Yeah. And now, so, yeah, that's, that's good to do, and it, it's an expression so of my art. Now. You're retired, I mean, in terms of... I don't run a church anymore. No, right. Yeah, I still have a license in the Anglican right. uh, Diocese of Melbourne, yeah, yeah, yeah. and so I occasionally take service. So how yeah. important is the role of the uh, office in Docklands for the West Papuan struggle? Oh, incredibly important. Uh, I think it's, apart from the one that's recently opened in Oxford, the only one on the international uh, scheme. Yeah. So it's it's amazingly important, and uh, I, I want to pay tribute to you, Joe, and the Rent Collective that done a great job in keeping that open. And I know it's a, a significant irritation to the Indonesian government well, for that to be there. Well, I tell people, that and it gives great credibility to the movement. Yeah. Well, it's not only irritating the Indonesian government; it's irritation to the Labor opposition and the Liberal National Party oh, government. Yes. Mm. Irritates everybody. Absolutely. And the beauty is, when we set it up, it was actually to provide financing from ordinary Australians so the actually West Papuans couldn't be targeted by the government. Yeah, absolutely. End of story. And you can do it anonymously. Now, look, this is what Louise wants you to say. Okay, yeah. Well, how about Sunday? <laughs> how about, tell us about Sunday. What's happening? Uh, Sunday or today. There's a, there's a big event today. Yeah, tell us about the big event today. Okay, so today there's going to be a gathering on the Princess Bridge yep. in Melbourne. Yep. And it's going to be a flower and song memorial. What time? To, that's a four o'clock to yeah. the uh, victims and the co-victims so while people of are the Biak massacre. Unfortunately, people will be listening to the interview then. 
They will be, yeah. but you know, they might have their iPods or something like that going. So, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's good. And what's happening Sunday? That's at 4 o'clock. And then following that, there will yeah. be a service at 5 o'clock right. at the uh, cathedral. So there will be an even song right. service, right. which will have a special focus right. on West Papua, the Beat Massacre. Various flags will be brought to the front. Right. And so that's really good, right in the heart of... Uh, the city and also in the church. So that'll be at five o'clock. That's at five o'clock. At the end of the program. Yeah, I'm people not can sure. rush. People yeah. can they, while they're listening, they can rush down to the church if they I'm can't make it. I'm consult my notes if you yeah. ask me about Sunday. I don't no, know what that means. Sunday. Oh, Sunday is <laughs> the uh, rent collective. Oh, of course, yeah, that's right. Yes. Yeah, one p.m. Yeah, eight three eight Collins Street. Absolutely, sorry. Come I and join the rent collective. Bit, yeah. We need at least another twelve new members. Our funds are running low, and if the Reverend Peter Woods tells us that it is critical for the West Papua independence struggle, come and join the Rent Collective. Absolutely. But see before you buy into this little uh, thing. Mm. And uh, one o'clock, lunch by Sampari. And after that, a little bit of a talk about the Indonesian presence. And then the hard sell where we try to sign mm. you up to the Rent Collective. One dollar a day. Joe, one dollar a day. Lots of people have asked me in the past. Mm. They hear me talk, they see the pictures. What can we do... Mm. And this is a very practical thing they can do. Yeah, it's very practical yeah, because... Absolutely. Because what we do is we pay the rent. We don't tell the West Papans how to run their struggle. Yeah. The only thing we do is pay the rent. We have no decision-making process in terms of what they do, how they organise, uh, and what tangents they go into. We just pay the rent to give them the opportunity to be able to organise on an international scale. Not you probably have discovered I have too, but uh, amazing the goodwill... Australians have towards the West Papuans. Mm. Most people know that a deep injustice happened there mm. and uh, they have no confidence in our governments to mm. do anything about it. Mm. This is one thing that can be done to support the work that the Papuans mm. will do mm. to, to get their freedom. Excellent. Yeah. Mm. Well, I'll see you in church at 5 o'clock. Yes, good on you. Good. Thanks, Joe. It'll, it'll be yeah. a bit of a run. Oh, well, it's the cathedral, the big one. You know, the big one. There's only one church, you know, Federation Square. You know, the big thing in the corner, corner of Flinders and... Oh, okay. The, the huge one. Okay, that one. The one, one they even that knocked one. off a spire, Federation Square, because <laughs> it was going to, you know, muck it up. So I'm going to rush right shard, from the studio. Shard, shard. Yeah. I'm, I'm racing straight from the studio to the church, and I'll be there at six past five. <laughs> Thank Good you very you. much. Thank, Thank you, you very much, Appreciate Reverend this. Peter Woods. It was a pleasure talking to you. And maybe one day I'll get your wife in and get her side of the story. Absolutely. She's <laughs> right. more interesting. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm happy to interview her at any time. Thank you very well, much, Dale. And uh, all the best to our listeners. And uh, listen in next week for another exciting, interesting guest. And uh, come along Sunday, 1 p.m., 838 Collins Street, Docklands, out the back. Food, talk. Join the Rent Collective. Thank you, Peter Woods. Thank you, Joe.
Struggling. 